This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. He's not only good to us, but I declare he's good for us. And he is worthy of all of our praise. To Pastor and Mrs. Tillman, to all of my colleagues in ministry, and to the body of Christ, called the First African Baptist Church, I am absolutely ecstatic to be with you today. It is my joy to be at First African Baptist Church and you can feel the history just being in the house. And I am thankful for the opportunity to be with your pastor. You are blessed to have one of the finest pastors anywhere and I want to thank him for inviting me to come and say a word on this special occasion. And let me thank this musical aggregation. They have just sung so wonderfully today. I, uh, I could have stayed right in that chair and listened to some more singing and then been glad to give the benediction. But you all have blessed us wonderfully today. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And I'm going to do today like Jesus told Judas. He said, what you do, do quickly. And so just for a few moments, I want to call your attention to the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The first chapter and the fourth and fifth verses, this is what it says. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I put my word in your mouth. I have appointed you this day a prophet to the nations. I want to say a word today about being faithful to the call. The prophet Jeremiah was the son of the priest Hilkiah from the city of Anatoth. And God called this preacher's kid. And Jeremiah's response was, Lord, I can't do this because I'm young. I'm not old enough to do what you're calling me to do. And God responded and said to Jeremiah, don't tell me you're too young. 
He said, I want you to know that before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I already knew you. Before you were born, I put my word in your mouth. And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah responded to the call of God upon his life and become one of the great prophets listed among the major prophets of Israel. And I'm always partial to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is my favorite prophet called the weeping prophet spent a great part of his ministry with tears in his eyes Jeremiah was a contemporary of Zephaniah and Haggai and Jeremiah had a rough ministry I lift up this text today as we come to celebrate the 38th pastoral anniversary of Pastor Tillman. And let me say, I commend anybody who can stay anywhere for 38 years. In fact, I'm always uh, tickled, and I've already told folk that uh, when the Lord calls me, I'm going to make out my reign because I don't want anybody telling any fibs on me when I can't say that's not true. Uh, you know what they say about black preachers, and I'm sure they've said it about Pastor Tillman, but I can tell you now it's not true. Show me any black preacher who always has a smile on their face. But they say he was always smiling. No, he wasn't. Not in the black church. In the black church, you frown sometimes. And if the truth be told, every now and then you have speaking tongues. Uh, but I commend him. He stayed here for 38 years. And not only 38 years, but with all of the history in this church, I commend him because First African Baptist under his ministry has not been a museum, but has been a church, a relevant church. And so I lift up this text today as you celebrate his anniversary because the life of your pastor models after that of the life of the prophet Jeremiah. Before he was born, God knew him. Before he came into the world, God had already put his word in his mouth. And your pastor is one of the rare exceptions today. I believe something terrible has happened to the black church over the last 40 years. And that is that the nature of the black church has changed. Historically, the black church has been the conscience of the nation. And I remind you, nothing for the advancement of black folk happened without the leadership of the black church. And in the leadership was also the ministers who had been called of God. For you see, my brothers and my sisters, God uses God-called people to provide God-led leadership. And so it is, when I look at the ministry of Thurman Tillman, it models Jeremiah.
Look closely at this text. God did not say to Jeremiah, I've called you to be a priest. Even though Jeremiah was the son of a priest, God did not tell Jeremiah, I've just called you to be a priest. One of the great tragedies we have today with the black church is that too many in ministry simply feel they've been called to be priests. And what happens is those who are in positions of power would love it if we simply took care of priestly responsibility. There are too many preachers, all they do is do baptisms, serve communion. They take care of priestly responsibilities. They don't rock the boat. They don't speak to the powers that be. And because they stay in their place, they would get invited to give the invocation at the governor's prayer breakfast. They will be invited to give the benediction at some major function. They are satisfied simply to go along to get along. But listen to what God said to Jeremiah. I didn't call you to be a priest. I called you to be a prophet to the nations. My brothers and sisters, there is a difference between a priest and a prophet. There is a difference between those who have their ministry solely in the church building, but those who, like Jesus, spend most of their time not in the church, but in the world. When you read the gospel, Jesus spent very little time in the temple. Most of his life was out where the people are. And so Thurman Tillman has been prophetic. And there's some things about prophetic preachers, which is why a lot of folk want to be priestly rather than prophetic. You see, first of all, there's some things I just admire about Pastor Tillman. First thing I admire is he has his priorities straight. Too many preachers want to impress folk. They want to impress you with how well we can preach. We want to impress folk that we got three points and a hoop. But my brothers and sisters, God does not want us to impress. God wants us to impact. God wants us to make an impact in the lives of the people and in the lives of the communities where we serve. And so a lot of preachers, they want to be impressive. And then this is what they do. They allow the folk to put them on a pedestal. But look at the danger of a pedestal. Folk don't understand what the folk are telling you when they put you on a pedestal. When they put you on a pedestal, you can't go too far forward. You can't go too far backward. You can't go too far to the left or to the right without falling. And then when you fall, the same folk who put you on the pedestal will leave you on the ground. When they put you on a pedestal, what they're really saying to you is, stay in your place. But my brothers and sisters, God can use you when you got your feet on the ground. There's plenty of room to move when you got your feet on the ground. Jesus kept his feet on the ground. But the second thing about those who just want to be 
priest is if they're not challenged to be courageous. Too many preachers like tumbleweed to go whichever way the wind blows. Let me tell you what, what some years ago when I was in New Jersey, uh, Christine Todd Whitman was the governor of New Jersey and she invited me to give one of the prayers at the governor's prayer breakfast. So I got up and said my prayer. When I came back and sat down, Senator Robert Martin was sitting next to me. He said, Reverend, I don't think the governor liked your prayer. And I said, Senator, I don't care. I wasn't talking to her no how. When you're praying, you're not talking to folk. You're talking to God. So the prophet understands that when he speaks, he's not speaking for the governor. He's not speaking for the president. He's speaking for God. The folk want to know, is there a word from the Lord? And in these times in which we live, we need prophetic voices. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, you may not realize it, but the times in which we're living today are a lot like the times in which Jeremiah lived. For in the Old Testament, there were two types of prophets. They were called professional prophets and classical prophets. The professional prophets were called by the king. And their job was to tell the king whatever the king wanted to hear. That's what we've got today. Now, the man who lives in that house that Black Hands built, and I refuse to call him by that title. I, I, I refer to him as our international embarrassment. And our international embarrassment has what he calls his religious advisors. They meet with him monthly. And my brothers and sisters, they must not be telling him the truth. Because every month that goes by, rather than getting better, he gets worse. He lies more. He fibs more. He acts dumb. Well, he may not be acting. He, he does more dumb things. And their job is to tell Donald Trump what Donald Trump wants to hear. They are professional prophets. But God has some classical prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. God has some classic prophets who've been called by God, who speak what God says. They tell the king what thus saith the Lord. They got backbone, they got courage. And we need today some prophets who can speak truth the power. Now, our international embarrassment had this slogan, make America great again. Well, the fact of the matter is we really do have to do that now. Here we are supposed to be the greatest nation in the world. Yet, we make up 4% of the world's population but 25% of those who've died from coronavirus are Americans. What a sad, countries in Africa,
Africa don't have the death rate that we have in the United States from the coronavirus. Countries around the world are laughing at the United States. We got Donald Duck for president. We need some prophetic voices. And First African Baptist, I want to tell you, you are fortunate. You got a pastor and a prophet. He is led on this issue of the census. And brothers and sisters, I am so supportive of Black Lives Matter. But what I'm trying to also convince black folk is you also got to count. If you don't get included in the census, you don't count. It's not just a matter of you can assign. It's a matter of you doing what you got to do to be counted in the census. Your pastor has led the effort on the census. Too many of our pastors have said nothing about the census. So when you can't get your highways fixed, can't get money to improve your schools, can't get money for security, it's because you didn't make sure that your people counted. Then we did get the hate crimes bill passed. Again, your pastor played leadership in getting the hate crimes bill passed. Now, when I arrived in Georgia in 2016 and found out Georgia didn't have a hate crimes law and told the black caucus, y'all need to sponsor a bill. And first meeting I had with Governor Kemp we were sitting in his office, and I said, Governor, we need a hate crimes bill. He said, oh, Bishop, we don't tolerate hate in Georgia. This is a new Georgia. And I said, Governor, the new Georgia ain't all that new. And I said, now, why is it that when something happens in a black community, no problem? Something happened in the Jewish community? No problem. Something happened in the Muslim community? No problem. But I got him upset. The governor belongs to an Episcopal church in Athens. But I said, you let something happen to an Episcopal church in Athens, then it'll matter. Face got red. Thought I might have to give him some water. And I said, governor, we need a hate crimes bill. And his comment was, We'll think about it. Then in February of this year, 16-year-old girl tried to do at Bethel Church in Gainesville what Dylan Roof did at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And again, I met with the governor and told him, we need a hate crimes bill. And then with no sense, I said, Governor, I demand. He said, Bishop, what authority do you have to demand who do you have on your side I said governor have you met my elder brother he said no he said where does he live I said everywhere what does he do everything the governor said well when am I going to meet him 
And I said to the governor, Governor, I can assure you that before the next governor's election, we're going to have a hate crimes bill in Georgia. And the governor said, we'll see. Well, I think yesterday they found out that I had to be in Savannah and wouldn't be able to be in Atlanta. So they had the signing of the bill yesterday while I was in Savannah. But I tell you, I ain't got no better sense. I sent an email to the governor's office. I said, Governor, I regret I cannot be there today. But I do want you to know, this is before the next governor's election, and you getting ready to sign a hate crimes bill. My brothers and sisters, God keeps his word. If God tells you he's going to do it, God is going to do it. As the first African Baptist, you are blessed to have a prophet in the house. And let me close by saying three things about the prophet. Three things about the prophet. The first thing about the prophet is the prophet realizes that they are no longer in charge of their life. When God calls you, you are no longer in charge of your life. This morning when I was getting dressed, I looked in the mirror and started laughing. Had me a wonderful laugh. The reason I had a laugh is because when I was a kid growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. I looked at all the lawyer shows, Perry Mason, Judge for the defense, Burke's Law. I looked at every law show. I was going to be a lawyer. We're going to be in a nice paneled office with a fireplace, make a lot of money. I had two grandmothers kept telling me I'm going to be a preacher. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be a preacher. The fact of the matter is I couldn't stand preachers. I went to church. But I, you know why I didn't like preachers? Across the street was my grandmama's church, Calvary Baptist. On the corner was the AME Church. At least two Sundays every month, Reverend Gaiman at the Baptist Church, Reverend Coleman at the Methodist Church came to our house, sat down at our table, ate up our food. The kids couldn't eat till the adults got finished. We were starving. And they laughing and cracking jokes and stuffing their face with food. And all the preachers I knew wore black suits, black shoes, drove black cars. Well, this morning when I was getting dressed, I looked in the mirror. I got on a black suit, I got on black shoes, and I drive a black car. And I'm not a lawyer, I'm a preacher. I said, I'm going to be a lawyer. God said... You're going to be a priest prophet. My brother and sisters, if God calls you, you have no control over your life. I don't know what Thurman Tillman wanted to be, but God told him you're going to be a priest prophet. And all I can tell you, at least for 38 years at First African Baptist, he's been a preacher prophet. And you ought to thank God that you got a preacher prophet that's in the house. Second, not only 
does the priest prophet have no control over their lives, but the lives of somebody God is called to be preacher prophet is also a tough life. A tough life. I mean, you, you, you go through it. You have no idea what your pastor has gone through. No idea. I pastored St. Matthew Church for 31 years in New Jersey. And uh, we were dealing with this problem of racial profiling. And I was complaining because the state police came to my house and told me that uh, they had to do all this stuff for my security because I was getting all these death threats. And in the back of my house, I had a place called the sunroom, total glass. And I love sitting out there. And they said, you can't sit out here no more. I said, what you mean? I said, man, you sitting there, somebody come blow your head off. I said, oh, well, I can't tell you what I said. But, uh, but I didn't sit out there no more. And I went to whining and complaining. And this is what an old preacher said to me. He said, Reverend, go read the book of Jeremiah. I said, you'll find this verse. If you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, how will you contend with horses? In other words, if ordinary folk have worn you out, what you going to do when you come up against some extraordinary enemies? And then he said this to me. He said, Reverend, I just want you to know it could get worse. And I said, what did you say? He said, it could get worse. I said, Reverend, look at here. The people in law enforcement don't like me. I said, racist trying to kill me. And you going to tell me it could get worse? He said, yes. I said, well, tell me, how could it get worse? I will never forget his response. He said, you could have to face all of that without God on your side. My brothers and my sisters, if God called you, God will take care of you. If God called you, God will be a fence all around you. He'll raise up friends. He'll open doors. He'll make a way out of no way. And then the last thing, if God called you, you can't quit. Even when you want to, you can't quit. Jeremiah called the weeping prophet. And I like Jeremiah because Jeremiah is real. Ain't nothing phony about him. You know, some preachers, they want you to go around and act like everything is always all right. Everything is not always all right. But Jeremiah spent a whole lot of time weeping, crying. Jeremiah spoke a word of prophecy to the king. The king had Jeremiah arrested, had him put in the stocks, in the middle of town, people laughed at him, threw stuff at him. 
Then they put him in jail. And listen to Jeremiah. Listen to how real he gets. In jail. Jeremiah said, God is a lying spirit. And if I get out of jail, I'm not going to prophesy for him anymore. Jeremiah wrote a one-sentence letter of resignation. I'm not prophesying no more. Period. When you go home, go read it in the book. Because when you read it in the book and then you look at Jeremiah's life, you realize that Jeremiah was grammatically incorrect. He put a period where he should have put a comma. When I get out of jail, I ain't going to prophesy no more. Period. But Jeremiah got out of jail. When they found him, he was on the street corner. You know what he was doing? Prophesying. And somebody said, Jeremiah, I thought you said you wasn't going to prophesy no more. But Jeremiah said, I didn't intend to, but his word was like fire. Shut up in my bones. I can't help myself. If God called you, he's got fire in your bones. Bishop, how did Jeremiah get fire in his bones? Listen to what God said. Before you were born, I knew you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I put my word in your mouth. It was born in you. And the only way you're going to get it out of you, you got to preach. You got to prophesy. You got to stand. Thurman Tillman, keep on standing. Keep on preaching. Keep on prophesying. Keep on standing for God. And be not deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. God will bless you for your work. Congratulations on your 38 years. And I still believe the best is yet to come. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.